Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope you guys enjoyed the holiday yesterday, 4th of July. Yeah, hope you all really got to enjoy uh, President Trump rolling down the street in tanks or whatever the hell is going on. I don't know. I don't even pay attention anymore, to be honest with you, because I could care less. It's just another day in my life, and uh, I chose to spend the day going for an epic hike in the Colorado mountains with some friends. A little, uh, little hikro dose, if you will, uh, if you know what I mean. And um, had my own fireworks show in the in the mountains. So, what a! It was just a perfect day. Beautiful weather, spectacular setting. Good friends, good snacks, good time, and chose to celebrate the day that way. No Budweisers, no uh, barbecues, and no explosions in the sky for me. Um, but hey, if that's what you did, cool. Uh, go ahead and do it. I just, uh, I don't know. I kind of wonder sometimes, like, you know, we have these holidays and we have these things and it's kind of just on autopilot and it's like the obligatory, oh, happy 4th of July. Oh yeah. American independence, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do we really care anymore? Is it really just uh, an excuse to drink and, uh, you know, say things like America or whatever? I don't know, man. I'm just saying break through the illusion of conformist, controlled cultural opinions that are being thrust upon you using tradition and, uh, you know, all this stuff. But who knows? Yeah, it's probably good. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we have a great show for you today. We have uh, journalist Riley Capps on the program. On the program? I I don't think I've ever said that before. On the podcast. Riley Capps. Riley Caps, who is a good man, and uh, I hung out with him a couple times. He's an interesting guy. I've read a, a bunch of his articles, seen him around. He's been covering the decriminalized Denver campaign. He's taken an interest in that, and so uh, he's you know one of the loudest voices of disseminating information out to the people. Um, he writes for Rooster Magazine, uh, mostly about drugs, uh, some other things as well. He has ayanews.info, which is his ayahuasca newsletter. Um, and, uh, yeah, go check them out at the, at the rooster, rooster.com and, uh, on Twitter at Riley caps. And, uh, and yeah, we, we had a pretty good conversation here. So, um, he, Riley came over to Mike Adelic studios to sit down for a, a face to face. I love, I love face to face. I, I really, if I could do all my interviews face to face, that's what I would want to do. It's just so much better than zoom or Skype or any of that other, you know, jazz whatever it is. Um, sometimes it feels like I'm communicating through a tin can on string. But face-to-face, it's good. It's good stuff. Okay, well, thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate all your support. Man, I, I saw like a bunch of new ratings come in on Apple Podcasts, like 10 in the past couple days. So we're at 164 now. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really I want to hear what you guys like, dislike, want more of, suggestions for guests. I want to hear from you. That's right, folks. We want to hear from you. Send in your suggestions, your feedback, your comments, and your questions, and enter for a chance to win a free jet ski that's not really real but only exists in your imagination. <laughs> but seriously, send me, send me some, uh, some comments and, and feedback suggestions. I, I'd love to hear from you guys. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, you know, this show has been like constantly in an, in an evolutionary process. I I feel like it's changing all the time as I'm changing all the time, as I'm, you know, continuing to explore and learn new and different things and, uh, 
you know, have many spelunking in the mind adventures of uh, psychonaut tales and discoveries and whatnot. And, you know, that didn't really flow, didn't really stream. I might be a little off today, but you get the point. You get the point. So if you can, if you feel like it, if you want to, uh, go to my website, mikebrank.com. Go to the contact page there. Send me an email. Uh, you could send an email that way. You could also just send it to mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. You could hit me up, DM me, slide into my DMs on Instagram, Facebook. I don't do Snapchat anymore, Twitter, whatever. Uh, you know, constantly checking those things. I'm pretty responsive. But I, I would like to hear from you guys what you think about the show, what you want more of, or anything like that. I mean, hell, if you have something really great to say and you want to let everybody know, go on Apple Podcasts and just leave a, a little review if you want to. Um, it really helps. It helps. It helps a lot. Um, yeah, and I really appreciate it. You know, there's a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people out there listening are independent creators. And if there's a way that I can help you, you know, let me know too. I want, you know, I've, I've said this a lot on the show, but a real collaborative effort is, is what I want here. And, and good communication and honest uh, feedback is, is always important. So, uh, yeah, and then just a little bit more business here. We have Hemp Bombs that makes hemp-derived CBD. I really love their gummies, but they do tinctures, they do vapes, they do all kinds of stuff. Um, they do, like, sex CBD sex spray or something. I don't know. They have all kinds of stuff, and they ship to pretty much everywhere in the country, I think. So check them out. You get 15% off by entering the code MIKE15 at checkout. That's hempbombs.com. And then you go to Synchro. Synchro does plant-based and ketogenic nutrition products. Uh, I love their Keto Mana packets. The chocolate I actually had one on the hike the other day. It's really good. Coconut flavor to it as well, which is always nice. Obsessed with coconut. So uh, check out uh, Synchro. I think it's bsynchro.com. And then enter the code Mikeadelic. You get 20% off. So, uh, hey, 20% off. Synchro, hemp bombs, little sponsor competition going on here. Uh, and then, and then of course there's navigating psychedelics, the course by, uh, psychedelics today, my good friends, Joe and Kyle over there, all those links are in the description. So just go and, and if you're interested, check that out. If you're not, you know, just don't do it. You don't have to do, you don't have to do anything. So speaking of not having to do anything, uh, let's just get into the show and just listen. And, uh, and the other thing is if you don't like these intros, feel free to skip through them. You, you guys know. You know what to do. You don't need me to tell you what to do. You get it. You understand. All right. Well, anyway, this was a great conversation with Riley Caps. I really appreciated him coming by Mikeadelic Studios and, and having a chat, having a sit down. I hope to talk to him again. Um, without further ado, Riley Caps, everybody. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity.
not really feeling in, in the right mood, so I'll spark up some sativa, and that'll kind of bring me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I'll go way out there, and I'll just start rambling about all kinds of stuff. And, yeah, I you know. know. And then you come back to your girlfriend, and she's like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? What are we doing now? It happens all the time. Did you remember that we have to go to the grocery store today? I'm a professional oh, rambler. Oh, God. <laughs> Cool. So we're recording, and uh, yeah, we'll just get we'll get right into it. Okay. So Riley. Yes. Riley Caps. Hello, Mr. Riley Caps. Hey, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to have you here. Thanks for coming. It's a pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. We were hanging out on the uh, day that the mushroom thing. We weren't sure if it was going to pass, and that was the last time that we saw each other. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of a weird, solemn afternoon because... Right? Remember that? That was, yeah. We went to that spot for lunch with the Decriminalized California guys. Yeah. And a couple other people had joined us there. But that night before with the watch party, it was so fun to be in that room with everybody. And we were watching and everything was going on. But then there was that kind of deflating feeling that happened. Well, yeah, because we thought... As soon as the number came in, right at 7 o'clock on the day of the vote, it was 55 against 45 pro. And every reasonable person said, okay, it failed. Except Travis, the, the campaign manager. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying to me all night long, no, like, stoners vote late. And he turned out to be right because he was, like, polling his friends. Like, when did you vote? Oh, I voted late. Um, we should tell the story in case. Sure. Yeah, let's tell like, the story. Yeah. So it was fifty-five, forty-five against, um, which I thought was a huge victory. Like to get forty-five percent of a town to say that we should decriminalize a psychedelic, I thought was like a great statement of and and a great gauge of where the public is at. You know, like okay, didn't pass this time, but we'll try next time. And then Travis, the campaign manager, kept saying, "No, people vote late. We can do it." So, Mike, you and I were hanging out the next day in that restaurant, and everybody was saying, well, we'll get them, you know, it'll happen in Portland, or it'll happen in Oakland, or it'll happen in... And Travis kept saying to me, I think, we, I think we're going to win this. So, so I went ahead and I wrote a story for Rooster, therooster.com, which is the website that I work for. We also have a print magazine that said the mushrooms won. And I had it all ready to go with quotes and pictures and everything like that. And then when they flashed the uh, totals at 4 p.m. on May 8th, I was ready to hit send. So I was the first person in the world with a story saying that it won. Nice. And I went through Twitter and I was like subtweeting or whatever the word is underneath USA Today and Vice and all these people that said it failed. And it was like, check again. Check not so fast. Take another look. And... um so that was just one of the funnest things of my life. I mean, wasn't it cool? It was one of the coolest things ever to have that, you know, to just be a part of that. And with all the volunteers, you know, ever since I moved here and being a part of it and seeing everybody's work, hard work and everything, and then having that kind of like somber moment of like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. But then, yeah, Travis, the field organizer for Decriminalized Denver, was really, he was really not ready to to give up because he he believed and he was right he was right and it came through magically it was almost magically magically. and it kind of it kind of rained a little bit that morning too Uh yeah and so it was like okay we just need to water the soil a little bit for these mushrooms to come (laughs) out you know and then it came out and it happened yeah he kept saying i can't wait to mushroom tomorrow Mm -hmm. The, the rain brings the mushrooms yeah yeah so that was crazy man 
So, so that was the last time we hung out, and so it's nice to see you again. Yeah, nice to see you again, too. You go to the Psychedelic Club meetings? I do, yeah. I try and go to as many as I can, yeah. Um, when is this podcast coming out? Uh, should be out probably by the end of the week. Okay, so July 8th, uh, which is next Monday, uh, I'm talking with my friend Lindsay at the Psychedelic Club about this new dr- uh, book that's about depression and how maybe psychedelics can help it. So if people want to come to the Lost Psychedelic Connections? Club. Lost Connections, yeah. yeah. I did like a whole podcast on that. I've been trying to get oh, Johan no on the show, actually. He huh. was supposed to come on, but we had a, a thing. Johan Hari, if you're out there, huh. message me. Tweet at Johan Hari. Tell him to come on the show. One of my favorite books, The Lost Connection, or yeah. Lost Connections. He really nails it. Yeah. Like why we're sad. It's like not, It's it might be chemical in our brain, but it's more than that. Right. It's not solely not chemical solely imbalance chemical, in our brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's great, man. You should have him on. He's super smart. Yeah. Did you read his chasing the screen one? <laughs> you know what? I didn't, but, uh, I should, I heard, I mean, it's, it's like, I heard it's really good too. The thing about that one is you'll know most of it. If you've been talking about drugs for yeah. a long time, it's about the war on drugs, right? Yeah. War on drugs, why it started. I mean, it's deep, like about the racist roots of it. You don't, you know, growing up white in Denver, I didn't quite grok that how like i saw that all the brown people were getting arrested and not the white kids but i didn't see that it went all the way back to the 20s or whatever and that was just that's a fascinating book so yeah i mean it goes it goes back for forever to like the dawn of time you know it's like this this uh really kind of racist and classist yeah. uh thing that's been happening and Anywhere in the world where there's people that are getting together for, you know, ingesting substances and practicing altered states of consciousness, there's always some kind of dominant power structure that wants to intrude on that and and separate it. You know, I'm I'm thinking of like the Eleusinian mysteries, the Greek tradition where everyone would go and drink the Kaikion and the Catholic Church, you know, just dismantled that, you know, and... So, yeah, and what else? The Mazatec Indians had their mushroom thing that the Spanish conquistadors shut down. Yeah. What's another example can you think of? Well, yeah, the, that was, I mean, that was a big one. Uh, the conquistadors, like that, the Spanish, the colonization of South America, a lot of the tribes, uh, the Shipibo, they were, they're known as one of like the warrior tribes because they hid in the in the jungle, deep in the jungle when the Spanish were coming and colonizing. Huh. They wanted to preserve their their traditions, you know, and I mean, it was really like this Catholic cleansing conversion, you know, and they they hid and they fought for their right to to do that by hiding out and and protecting themselves. So they went deeper into the jungle, deeper into the jungle. Yeah. Huh. And that's why they're super deep now. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. There's also this other tribe. I actually have this mask in my in my room. It's a. It's kind of like a scary, devilish-looking mask that's painted multicolored, and I got it in Costa Rica. And it was a similar thing. It was uh, these tribes, they hid deep in the jungle when the conquistadors came, when colonization was happening, and uh, and they put these masks on to run out and scare them, you know, when they came. Cause they, and they were scared, you know, because they're like, there's these crazy savages with these crazy masks on. Huh. That was their interpretation of what was going on. So there That's, was a lot of that going on. Yeah. yeah. And then the Australian uh, Aborigines, you know, here, Native Americans here. Because psychedelics have always been what, I don't know what the verb is, threatening to the power structures. Uh-huh. Why do you think that is? 
Well, I mean, anybody that's taken psychedelics knows how much it empowers you into your own individual authority. You know, that you start seeing things differently and really coming into your, your senses more. Mm-hmm. And that, and then you start thinking about, you start questioning things. You start thinking in new ways. And, yeah. you know, you realize that like, oh, I, you know, this is all just a construct that we've agreed upon, either tacitly or, you yeah. know. I mean, you ever try to think about money when you're on psychedelics? <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh. Or or the president? You ever like look at a TV with the president on it? And oh my you're like, god! Who, what is this guy? I mean, I I just feel like I'm, that's like my default state, you know? <laughs> yeah, he probably is with you. Oh, the the you know CNN and Fo- like all these things, even the, the the presidential debates. Well, I'm in favor of a tax percentage <laughs> that is fair for all Americans. It's right. like this cadence and this tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This robot thing and. That's why when I was we were talking before the podcast, I mentioned that I was a libertarian, um, and I, I I really became that because of Ron Paul, because yeah. I heard him on the debate stage when I was watching the debates. Actually, it was funny. I have a, a black friend of mine because it was Obama was running, and I, you know, I just kind of was I was like, "What do you think of Obama? Like it's two thousand eight. Like Obama's running. Like it's gonna be pretty cool, right?" And he's like, "Nah." He's like, "I like Ron Paul." I'm like really? I was like, "Huh?" But. But, you know, stupid black, white me. Must, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, blacks but must I all don't, like the blacks. Like yeah, yeah. So, such an idiot. But he I'm told a redheaded me Jewish uh, guy. I need to, I need to like, uh, I don't know who's the redheaded Jewish guy politician. Uh, Jonathan Singer. Yeah. Oh, is he Jewish? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he told me that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I started to take a look at him. And when I was, when I was listening to him on the debate stage, it was like uh, he ripped through the matrix or something. Like yeah. he was just, he was just talking. Yeah. Like how we're talking now. You know, he's like, we're spending trillions of dollars on these wars. I was like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, this happened in the most recent debate when everyone else is like staring into the camera like a Fox News host going, the economy is not working for working Americans. We must have a tax structure that supports all. And then Marianne Williamson is like, we need love to fight hate. And it's almost like, yeah, she sounds like she's like starting a, a UFO sighting club. But she also sounds almost like a real person. Like, that's what you would say if, if someone was like, what's wrong with the country? And you'd be like, man, things are messed up. We got to get back. You know, we got we to gotta love each other. We got we to gotta stop cutting each other's throats or whatever it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I find it so interesting. And she, she's getting, like, slammed for that. Like, a lot of, I mean, people yeah. are saying that she did well. But, you know, Kate McKinnon was, like, doing an impression of her, making fun of her. Mm-hmm. And... You know, there was like memes going around about her and stuff. And it's like so weird to see that reaction from people that we've divided our, well, this is politics. This is spirituality. This is something else. You know, it's like, why can't we just have a full all encompassing thing here and talk like uh, we're real people that are multifaceted and multidimensional, you know? Yeah. What is it? I think that's one of the nice things about podcasts is people slow down a little bit and they talk in their normal voice. Yeah. Um, if you, if I watch TV, it's just hard to understand why they would use that cadence, why they would, and you get all these normal people that fit the way they talk into the way they've seen other people talk on TV. And it's so funny to watch the local news where they're like, right, you are Ken. And yeah. And well, uh, 
uh, we're out here at the county fair today, and we're looking at the pigs, and boy, are they something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, who, who talks like that? We got Jim on the street. Jim, how's the weather down there? <laughs> Hi, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, Dave Chappelle's got a great joke. It's like, it always takes the guy in the scene a second. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Hi, Bob. It is pandemonium down here on Bourbon Street. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I, there's a reason why they do that. I remember when I was in um, when I was in college, I, I wrote for my school paper and I took journalism classes in, in school. And uh, th- I remember us, we were learning about uh, this kind of cadence that you develop. I forget what it's called. If someone out there knows, please name, let me huh? know. It has a name. Huh. But it's as, essentially it's just to kind of u- like make everything one oh. unified thing so no matter where you are in the country huh. you hear this and it automatically signals something in your brain that says oh person of authority news huh. information oh you know that's that's, that's interesting. why yeah, they, I mean, they go through training to get rid of their accents you know a lot of these well newspapers do the same thing mm. um i've written for a bunch of different publications and to varying degrees they try to all sound like each other and at first I was like, why are you doing this? Like, try to make things stand out, make things interesting. But it's partly that they want you to slip into this warm bath of the news that is neither threatening nor boring, um, just keeps you in this nice middle space. So you'll keep turning the page and looking at the advertising. Mm-hmm. And they're really, like, dedicated to it. And the the higher up you go in the writing world, the more mainstream, the more, like, you know, Washington Post is the more they are committed to that mono voice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I've read a lot of, of uh, media theory stuff, Marshall McLuhan, D- uh, Douglas Rushkoff, um, Noam Chomsky's books, Manufacturing Consent, Necessary Illusions, yeah. Understanding Power uh, in Media. And it's, uh, yeah, they... They know what they're doing to keep the people where they want them. Yeah, which is on a basic level looking at ads. That's the main thing they want. And I think a lot of people who are mad at the media think they're like part of the Illuminati. But they more just want you to look at the ads. Yeah. Which is, you know, fine. I mean, that's we need advertisement. We need business to roll. Um, But this is why I'm listening to more podcasts. um, Because... And the longer you look at podcasts, the more when you see the nightly news, the more that that voice sounds weird. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, psychedelics are great to try to bring it back to psychedelics. Sure. They because they just shift your perspective so quickly. And so you live in this world of uh, whatever world you're living in. And you step back from it and you go, why am I thinking about it like that? How did I get into this groove? There's clearly like not a groove in the universe to the extent that we have worn these grooves of like the president and CNN and Washington Post and paying taxes and all of these things. These grooves were worn by us over time because we did it over and over and over again. And it's the psychedelics let you step out of it a little bit and just see the fact, the fact that there's a groove there is just a huge part for me at least of seeing where my own grooves were and still are and and that i think is the first step toward something 
I don't know where, but yeah, it's like opening a door, you know, and you're like, oh, there's a room here. Oh, I wonder what's in here. Yeah, you know, the first step is just knowing that there's a door there. Yeah, you're like okay, and I mean, it's great that you brought up the grooves because that reminds me of Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. Yeah, have you read it? Yeah, yeah, and he talks about the default mode network when he's speaking with mm-hmm. Robin Carhart Harris. Yeah, and the default mode network, it the way that it's set up is that it's got you know these these grooves that we've just been, it's just been made and created in our brain, these pathways, these yeah. neural pathways. So it's like, okay, everyone's just flowing along this groove. So when you take a psychedelic, the default mode network kind of quiets down a little bit and then new areas are able to form where there's new grooves or new pathways. And I think he gives the example of like going uh, sledding yeah. on like a hill and there's a snow path. So everybody's going down these worn tracks uh, but then when you take psychedelics, it's like the whole mountain gets clean and then you're able to just go down new paths, new tracks. Yeah. It's a fresh coat of snow. Yeah. It's a fresh coat of snow. And I think that's, that's also what can happen in society as well mm-hmm. as, as we, as psychedelics become decriminalized, like here in Denver with mushrooms and in Oakland with mushrooms, ayahuasca, peyote, you know, nature. Yeah, that, that was nuts. <laughs> that was even yeah. more nutty than Denver. Yeah. Um, yeah i mean we can talk about oakland that stuff was amazing um you spoke to those guys right you spoke yeah to larry i interviewed larry you also interviewed yeah. larry uh-huh man he's on his game huh he knows what's up yeah um so i think that that i think what's interesting is to see how this is gonna play out this is the most interesting thing right now um whether we how how this is going to play in terms of how are people going to do psychedelics? How are people going to be allowed to do psychedelics? Are they going to have to do it in a medical way, government approved, with a license, you know, with a closed circuit camera on them? Uh, or can they do it the way that most people have done it in America uh, with just their buddies at a concert? Or are they going to do it with uh, something in between? Where it's like groups of loosely organized people, um, you know. I'm sure you've had this debate many times. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, I'm interested to hear your take on this, but also maybe it might be relevant to talk about what you witnessed being here in Denver through the cannabis legalization. And maybe if there's like a, some, maybe things to watch out for or stuff that happened that you didn't think was going to happen and it did. Yeah, man, I mean, the cannabis thing was, was just as crazy. I mean, I was as shocked at the cannabis in 2004 as I was with um, um, mushrooms this year because it just seemed so insane. I mean, cannabis was not that far away from from the devil's lettuce and, and it'll fry your brain. And then, you know, I think it was Denver that put up the first thing in 2005 that was lowest law enforcement priority. Maybe that wasn't the exact language, but it was something like that. Basically, police get off our back about this and the fact that it got that it passed was just crazy and i was living in telluride at the time and writing for the telluride daily planet the local newspaper there and telluride tried to do the same thing held a vote and i can't i terrible that i can't remember what happened but i think it failed um what i want to say about the cannabis versus the mushrooms thing is this whole thing about the money and the business like if you Cannabis is a business town. It's a huge business, and I write about it all the time. And it's going to be a $20 billion thing, right? 
there's this thing of like where they're just trying to move as much cannabis as they can, which is fine. I mean, I love weed. It's, it's a great drug. Yeah. Um, can I, uh, yeah, just, can you a little bit higher? Yeah. A little bit higher. Yeah. That, perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. Do you want me to start over? Yeah, sure. Um, $20 billion industry. $20 billion industry. Smoke as much cannabis as you can. Is that how we want mushrooms to go? Just take as much mushrooms as you can. I don't know if that's like, I worry about that. Um, and I, 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 so I think it's better to do what, to keep the mushrooms without, away from money. Like sell things that are around mushrooms, sell like spaces to do it and people to help you integrate it and, and um, therapy around it. But to sell the mushrooms themselves is a little weird right yeah this i mean it's a big concern for me too because it's i i don't want it to become this commodified corporatized industry you know and that's that seems to be what this super organism of commerce you know and consumerism that we live in it just seems to kind of absorb everything into its you know track yeah i mean that's what i was talking to this guy this morning from this um synthesis retreats in the netherlands and they seem to have their act really together um they have doctors that you have to go through you have um you have to clear yourself with a psychiatrist they won't take anybody with any sort of mental health problems including depression which is pretty stunning to me because i think that's why most people would go Mm, interesting but they're being so careful because they don't want someone to get spun. And um, their model is to eventually just integrate it so they can like export this and do this everywhere. Low risk, super high, like um, low, what's the word when people try to sue you? Low risk of being sued. Yeah, low liability. Low liability. Yeah. That they are just trying to just turn it into another medical thing um yeah and then there's these uh mushroom retreats in jamaica where it's more like have you talked to eric osborne Uh, i haven't talked to him but i know of myco meditations he's great man i love him he's much more like the mushrooms are going to do their thing i'm just here as the middleman for the mushrooms they they do all the work and so he just puts you on the beach with like a big dose of mushrooms make sure you don't wander into the sea and drown and that's pretty much it i mean i'm oversimplifying i'm sure he does (laughs) <laughs> more than that but um so it'll be interesting to see what happens in denver and oakland like are we going to have these kinds of retreats is there going to be places in denver where you can pay 500 bucks 100 bucks to like sit and trip on mushrooms i think there will be yeah i mean i have a lot to say about that because i i feel very strongly about individual liberty you know, yeah. like it, people, adults should be able to make decisions regarding them, their own bodies, minds, consciousness, yeah. regardless of any, anyone else's mediation or interpretation of how it should be. You know, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the problems that we experience in the world is because you have a hierarchy that cuts the, the mass populace off from the source material, you know, whether yeah. it be religion or government or whatever, 
the corporation saying, don't worry, we'll mediate this experience for you. Yeah. We'll translate the tablets for you and uh -huh. we'll tell you what it means. Don't go off experimenting on your own and coming <laughs> to your own wacky conclusions. You right. Know? But that's exactly what we need to do because when we do that, we find out, oh, like we're all kind of the same here and we can get along in a way where we don't need to have like repressive, dominating institutions above, above us. But at the same time, I also think that we've been living that way for so long that one of the most important things to do, and I know MAPS is, is firm on this position, and I know, I think Kevin Matthews is also pretty firm on this position too, where it's like education, getting the education out, working with the city council, yeah. making sure this is rolled out properly, that people are, I think education is the biggest thing, because you don't want to have some freak panic scare you know, in, in Amsterdam, someone fell out of a window or something yeah. It was on mushrooms. So no more mushrooms. Right. It's, you can have truffles there now, but I think this happened in a couple of years ago. Yeah. But this is what happens. This one thing happens and then that becomes the catalyst for a whole new fear campaign to take everything. So down. how do you walk that line? How do you say anybody can do mushrooms and grow it, but prevent people from jumping off of windows? I mean, I, th I you know, it's just... People are gonna do what people are gonna do, you know. I mean, some people are gonna jump out of a window, and yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, that's it's gonna happen. I remember Bill Hicks, the comedian Bill Hicks, was saying like, you know, these parents are getting mad at uh, at teenagers for listening to heavy hard rock albums. They say it's Satan's music and it's telling them to kill themselves. And he's like, well, I say, go ahead, thin in the herd. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. like, if you're dumb enough to think that, then we don't need you. Yeah. You know? And he, obviously he's a comedian. He's talking about it from a, a comical way. But there's also something to be said about that. It's like, look, people are going to do stupid things all the time, no matter what. People do so many stupid things with alcohol, drinking and driving and mixing cocktails of prescription meds and alcohol and stuff. So, But it's this, this, this stigma that psychedelics have as being mm. public enemy number one. Right. You know. So, yeah, I mean, the young man tripping on acid today realized that he was part of the one consciousness experiencing himself subjectively, that we are no such thing as death. We are the imagination of ourselves. Yeah. Here's Tom with the weather. Here's Tom with the weather. Yeah. <laughs> A positive LSD story. So how do you get that? Um, how do you? So you just sell them in stores, you think, the mushrooms? Or what do you think? I think I like the way I, well, I like where it's at now. You, you know, can grow them. You can use your own. You can grow them. You can use their, your own. Um, I do worry about the the you know like yeah the corporatization of it. Yeah. You know, um, medical monopolies and scientific monopolies and therapeutical monopolies. Therapeutic monopolies. I I think that people should ha be adults should be able to make decisions about what they want to do with it. Um, at the same time, I also think that these are, you know, sacred things and they're also food, you know, like it's, so you, you worked at an ayahuasca retreat Yeah. in, would you, could you see that model coming to Denver, but with psilocybin? Totally. And is there any part of it that you think works especially well with our culture that would like, oh, we, we don't know that we need purging or we don't know that we need a maloka or we don't know that we need this but we need that what do you what do you think we need a sacred ceremonial space and i, th I think that's the one thing that we need we look at we look at uh, our culture right now there's so much polarization and divisiveness and you know we're not this country is founded on judeo-christian values but we're not that you know we're mm -hmm. 
we're, we're a secular nation. There's people of all different kinds of beliefs and it's a hodgepodge of different things, but there isn't, there isn't such a reverence for the, uh, diversity of spiritual experiences through so, direct substances. So if someone yes. was selling a, uh, mushroom ceremony session, you would pay for it. You would do it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I might, depending on who it was. You I know? think I would too. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I, I've, I've had experience with that before. Um, with a mushroom ceremony. Mm -hmm. Oh, what'd yeah. you have? Uh, I, I mean, myself personally yeah but um, you've never paid anyone to do it i have yeah huh yeah and they trips at you and uh -huh. they talked you through it and it yeah. really helped mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a really underrated way to do it mm -hmm. yeah uh, that's my favorite way to do it me too yeah um i think people don't realize how helpful it can be to have someone to just talk you through it all my serious hippie friends are like just take them man like what do you what do you mean you need to have a therapist by you and it's like i promise you if you try it you will get something out of it yeah, I mean, there's so the, the great thing is there's so many different modalities to explore, and so yeah. I'm for the freedom for exploring those different modalities. You know, the one that I paid for and went to, that's not how I would run a ceremony, yeah. but I enjoyed being there and it was cool. So the so the model would be the libertarian model of you, uh, Denver. Try however you want with mushrooms, and if you hurt somebody, then you get in trouble. Sure whatever that crime is of like not tending to someone's well-being when they're on mushrooms, that becomes a crime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, hurting somebody in some way. We already have laws in place for abuse, uh, neglect, uh, hurting people, theft, hmm. uh, aggression, violence, you know, it's a subtler thing. I mean, obviously if you molest somebody during a mushroom ceremony, that's a crime, steal their money, you know, something like that. But if you just like leave somebody on the floor and let them like writhe in their difficult trip, could we like have, I, I don't want the government to do this, but I wonder if there's like some sort of just list that we keep at the psychedelic club that's like so-and-so trip leader. Yeah, so this let already me have a exists. Trip. Does it? Yeah, I mean, so there's there's a website called Aya Advisors, which yes. rates and reviews uh -huh. different ayahuasca yeah, I know retreat that. centers. Yeah. Uh, but just through word of mouth. You yeah. know, word of mouth is how the psychedelic movement has stayed its course since, yeah. you know, in the 60s. It's like, hey, do you know, like, uh, anyone that has mu good mushrooms? Do you know anyone who's running a good ceremony? Yeah. Do you vouch for this person? Do you think it'll get too big too fast in a place like Denver, Oakland, that you won't be able to keep track of that sort of stuff and bad actors will be able to, like, yeah, keep operating? Yeah, bad actors will always be operating. And, and it's, it's just, that's just life. That's just life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you. I mean, I definitely think there needs to be both. There needs to be the medical model where you can do it with a super protected way, and then it just needs to be able to do it in your own way. Maybe yeah. you don't want to do it in a therapist. Maybe you want to do it in in uh, on a swing. Maybe you want to do it, you know, in a in a flotation tank. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to do it jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> That'd be a trip. I mean, that would be something that I would be interested in. Yeah, I would like a, a guide for that, but I think it would be great. Yeah, and I, I just think yeah, it's the just, aquarium. If that's if that's something you know, scuba diving. Yeah, I mean, but every every place has their own rules regarding different things so if you go to a skydiving place and there's a sign that says sorry no alcoholic beverages yeah no one uh will be permitted who is you know intoxicated mm -hmm. that's their rule so yeah. 
if you want to drink and go skydiving, go somewhere else where they don't have that rule. Yeah. You know, same thing with psychedelics. Yeah. What's your guess? What's the first thing that happens here in Denver? I mean, this is, this is, I don't know. I, I'm going to take that question. I'm going to throw it right back to you because I think you're more plugged into the, to the, um, news scene than I am, uh, in terms of what's happening and what's coming together. So what do you think? I think all of these, there's going to be a bunch of auxiliary businesses, people selling, um, integration is probably the thing that's most socially acceptable right now. Hey, you've had a bad trip. Come see us, you know, um, selling sitter services might be next. Um, you want a trip, come do it safely with us. I mean, there's already people running sitter schools, you know, medicinal mindfulness and, um, I forget who else. Um, and then selling, um, quality control of the mushrooms. I think it's going to be a thing like bring in your mushrooms. We'll tell you how much psilocybin's in them. I mean, that's a really useful thing. Oh yeah. Um, and then I think there are already people that are going to be, um, selling substrates and growing mediums and, and stuff like that to sort of take you along on your own journey from start to finish start sort of the way that it was with weed for a long time where you could sell pipes and, and lights and all of that. Yeah. And that was a legit business. You could get a bank account on that. You could get insurance doing that. And that, that worked out reasonably well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I noticed and one of the reasons why I came to Denver is because I looked at this place as a, a progressive place that's filled with passionate individuals who actually really care. And you see it with the, the policies that get put into place here in the city. And you also see it with like the music scene. I just went to Sonic Bloom yeah. music festival and it's like, I got exposed to a whole wide array of music that I wasn't aware of. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful, but it's musicians who really care, who really want to play for people who really just want to jam out. And that kind of like love and passion exists here. And it exists with people who are cultivating growing mushrooms yeah. who really want to give love to other people. Oh, I like that. Yeah. The more I do psychedelics, the more I think that intention is important. So important. And I have some borderline woo-woo beliefs about the medicine itself. Like, Yeah, let's hear them. If you grow pot with good intentions, with not to make money, but to make medicine then that might might give people a better high. Well, this isn't woo woo belief. Well, I mean, I it's it's in. on the, the it's on the edge. This is this is a uh, this is in Bruce Lipton's book The Biology of Belief and many other people have shown studies uh, there was a famous study with plants and there were three plants and one that was talked to every day, every yeah. day the plants were talked to. One was talked to every day and beautiful, loving. The other one was talked to hateful words right. and angry. And then the other one was neglected. The yeah. third plant was neglected. The one that did the worst was the one that was neglected. Was neglected. I read that. Yeah. I actually wrote that in a story recently. Okay, cool. So yeah. you just have to give them some kind of attention. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like, um, and so the people that grow mushrooms that I know are way into this, mm -hmm. like they try to give their little guys beautiful little environments with like crystals and pretty pictures on the wall and like nice music. And so I think that's just, I mean, why am I talking about this? 
What was I talking about? You were before? talking about some woo beliefs about uh, growing and putting intention into things and yeah. showing love uh, with mushrooms and plants. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was just trying to say, like, the next things that will happen in Denver. Um, so there's these businesses, for the story that was in my last month's um, article for Rooster in the paper magazine, it was all about what's next and shrooms are next. And it was like, these businesses are next. Then I talked to a bunch of people that think that they can exploit this um, little bubble for their personal um, needs. One of them was I talked to the guy that runs the Cluster Buster uh, Association. These are cluster headaches. I'm sure you know that Mm -hmm. they're massively painful headaches. There's like no cure. And then somebody discovered that if you take LSD or mushrooms, they're way better and almost gone. So they are talking about having a monthly trip in and just a house where you just have some sitters. And, and so I think that's a beautiful, um, these are people that live all over the country, but they could come to Denver, Oakland and get their needs met. Um, people who really, really like microdosing could move here mm-hmm. and make it part of their daily routine. They could be open about it. They could have microdosing meetups where and and be fairly open about it um i think that there are all of these there are little niches that we just haven't thought of yet Mm -hmm. these people that are talking about doing their own research like people that believe in more woo things and like they want to get mushrooms and do uh group trips to see if they can do telepathy and you know go for it I mean, I, I, I mean, the government that. did that, <laughs> right? The government expected there was a, a book and a movie about it. The men, men who stare at goats. goats. Yeah. I was watching that last night. Yeah. Yeah. John Ronson book. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so do it. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Exactly. As long as you're not hurting anybody or infringing on anybody else's rights to do the very same thing. Yeah. You know, they want to practice their thing. Great. Practice your thing. One of my biggest, uh, clicks stories was about the dmtx people oh yeah do you know about that uh-huh. extended state dmt daniel mcqueen yeah and he's trying to um take dmt in bigger amounts for longer um and <laughs> yeah. so but he can't do it here so he's trying to go to costa rica he's trying to go to the, the amazon but you could do a similar thing with psilocybin i mean a psilocybin trip on the big end is as weird as a DMT trip. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I am not advocating this, but if people want to set up a thing where they try to like just go as deep as they can on psilocybin, I think you could do it here. As long as you grow your own, use your own, I mean, I think it could happen. And Yeah, I, as, I think as long these, as you set the right container. This is a good way for people to get spun, and I've seen people get super spun off DMT because that stuff just blows the back of your head off and no one knows what to do with that weirdness in there. So, I mean, I worry about the people that are like trying to talk to the DMT entities too much, Um, but I also think it's America and you can do what you want or you should be able to. So, I mean, it's just, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And again, this is all up to the cops, right? This didn't, this decriminalization of shrooms didn't give you and I any more rights. We have the same lack of rights that we always had. All it did was it took away power from the cops. 
So if the cops decide that somehow it's not personal use to take a bunch and try to like talk to the mushrooms, they could come in and bust it. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah. are they going to? I don't know. This is what's so interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. It's funny you brought up the thing about rights because it's like, yeah, we, we we like to think that we have rights, right? Like you're like, well, the cops, they're, they work for us. <laughs> we pay their salaries with our tax dollars and they're here to serve and protect us. Yeah. But their whole business model is upside you know it doesn't work that way they're incentivized yeah to write people tickets they when they meet their quotas they get bonuses they get promotions for how many people did they, how many tickets did they issue how many arrests did they have totally backwards right and yeah a lot of other countries that you know maybe like portugal is a good example you know where they've totally decriminalized yeah. all drugs and they've even worked to set up centers like rehabilitation yeah. centers and safe injection facilities and things like that and it's the same thought behind, like, you know, Dance Safe and uh, the Bunk Police. It's like, look, we know people are going to be doing this stuff. Now, let's at least give them a place where they can say, okay, is this clean stuff? Yeah. It's not promoting the use. It's just saying, hey. And I don't think the cops are, like, bad people at all. I think that they just have found a purpose in life. And their purpose in life for the past 40 years has been to bust drug dealers. And everybody needs a purpose. Um and now they just are losing some of that purpose. And so they need to find something else to do. And they are almost at a loss. Like I write about the DEA, how they seem to be, they don't know what to do with themselves now that they don't have cannabis. Man, that is that is so on point. I mean, this is how the drug war, Harry Anslinger yeah. was a, a, a guy who was heading up uh, the, I think, the prohibition during alcohol prohibition yeah, and where the FBI became very big in America and they were busting illegal booze from coming in. Once prohibition got uh, taken away and alcohol was back in the fold, they were like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We need a new enemy. Yeah. And right. so there you go. The devil marijuana, the devil's lettuce, you know, yeah. and the whole reefer madness and everything. So my, my, I wonder with psychedelics, because they spent so little time going after psychedelics before that it wasn't like a big revenue driver. It wasn't like a big thing that gave them purpose in life. Maybe they won't care that much that they don't have that thing to go after anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they could find better use for our tax dollars. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) wouldn't it be great if some of the uh, cops went back to school and got a little bit of a therapy training and all helped a little bit of the people that they were arresting because mental illness is the thing that puts people in jail. Yeah. Um, I mean, the same thing happens with firemen. There's, we have too many firemen now because our buildings are so well protected and, and fireproof <coughs> that they, they just don't have enough fires to fight. And so I think getting those people trained for what are our actual problems now? Mm-hmm. And our actual problems, as far as I can tell, is mental health. Mm -hmm. That drives so many of our other problems. The crime problem, obesity, just so many things. Depression Depression is a huge part of life right now. Yeah. In a way that it wasn't when when we were kids or when our parents were kids. And so have a depression force 
people in squad cars just running around, and if you look slumped over on a bench, give them a hug. You get a hug. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the world that you would want to live in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could probably pay uh, two hugger salaries for the same as we're paying a cop right now. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to have a, a freeze. <laughs> Put your hands up. Yeah. Now embrace me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ma'am, you've been, uh, you're going to be under arrest uh, between my two forearms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just hug it out. Just cry it out. Yeah. Just cry it out. And then they, they direct you to a psilocybin therapy center and you work on your depression there. Well, this is why I think that, you know, the hunter gatherer tribes and prehistory had, had something right where, you know, they, there was more of sort of a matriarchal society yeah. and, and i'm not saying like patriarchy bad matriarchy good or anything like that but, but balance compassion driven yeah you know what can we do to help how yeah. can we make things whole and complete and we definitely need that and you were talking about you know the use of psilocybin and we were, we were speaking about lost connections and the ceremonial aspect of it i think that's a huge element people coming together in community in a ceremonial ritual setting does wonders for the for the society in which you live in you know when you connect with people when you know the people that you live around and you know their issues and their problems and yeah. what's happening it's like it creates more empathy and less fear of the other mm. of like what's happening on that street corner you know and there's a lot of that when i lived in new york i mean that was it's pervasive we just live in a system now yeah and everybody has has surrendered so much of their life to just follow the system and in medicine, in education, um, that you, people have lost so much of, of connection and community and also just this, the siloing of people where we all live in, um, these apartments by ourselves and we move away from our families and we try to entertain ourselves with television and numb ourselves with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but psychedelics can help a lot of that. Yeah. Partly because of the chemicals themselves, partly because you join a group that did it. You know, I'm sure you saw at the, at the ayahuasca thing, it's a group. It's, it's a, a group, little yeah. club. I mean, if we're not going to have small towns, we sort of need pseudo small towns. Yeah. Organized around these things that people love. Mm -hmm. Um, because otherwise we just kick through the system and people have this sense of disempowerment where they're, they're totally, it's just the way it is. Life is how it is. It's not going to change. I can't do anything. I'm just going to spend my, my 50 years working for this boring job because I get a pension and I get to retire to Margaritaville. Mm -hmm. It's just not enough. Yeah. People need more than that. Yeah. We're, we're sold that idea that this, this is enough. This is what you should want. This is this is the path to success yeah. from a young age. Did you did you feel like you got like caught in that trap at all at any point in your life? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always wanted to be a journalist and I started off when I was 16 at the Aurora Sentinel just around the corner here and worked my way up the ladder to the Oklahoma paper, the Boston paper, the Washington DC paper. And was short didn't fit in and the higher i went the more i didn't fit in um because it's just this but but you couldn't i couldn't admit to myself that i didn't fit in 
So I tried to make myself fit at these bigger, more mainstream papers um, because it's ostensibly the great spot. It's on paper. It's a great job. You have tons of readers. The pay is better. You get respect. People return your phone calls like instantly. You get to talk to senators and and celebrities and things like that. Um, but on a moment-to-moment basis, it's not as good as something that's you feel like you have more influence over. Um, because when you write for the Washington Post or the Boston Globe, to a large extent, you are writing in their voice. And you can't say things the way you mean to say them. You can't go out of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really hard for me, was to say, like, why don't I fit at the Washington Post? There's something wrong with me. Like, there must be something wrong with me. And um, I should just be able to do this. Everybody wants to do this, and now I get to do it. Um, it, so it took me a long time, and I'm almost still not over it, of trying to admit that, just to, to accept that, to accept that I'm not a Washington Post person. Um, or I couldn't figure out how to be a Washington Post person. And I am more of a Telluride Daily Planet Rooster Magazine person. Because when you write for the Telluride Daily Planet, you're in this small town. It's a small community that people know each other. They matter to each other. When you write something, you directly see who it affects. You know, So it's like you write about the town council meeting where they're going to talk about whether or not um, post uh, uh, mailboxes should be four feet tall instead of three feet tall. And that's a big, that's a small issue, but not to the people that want a four foot tall mailbox and that you're going to see on the street tomorrow. Not the people that want to like lower library fines because their kid can't check out enough books. And you run into these kids and you know them. Um, It's the same thing with writing about drugs. Drugs are a smaller community. Um, And so I get to meet these people that love drugs and and doing mushrooms doing ayahuasca absolutely changed their lives and when i write about them in a human centered way in a way that doesn't turn them into scare stories or um or myths they're really appreciative and there's there's that's where i've found that i fit better is sitting with people that are that are maybe also a little misunderstood people that also think like the the system that they got plugged into wasn't good for them and so they've tried to find their outlet somewhere else and just talk to them on their level because i think the big papers and the big media they just think there must be something wrong with you that you're not into the mainstream system and so every story so many of the stories that i wrote for those bigger papers were like aren't these people cute and funny that find meeting in ecstatic dance or mini cars or um furries being a furry aren't they cute and funny and weird and over here so one of the things i've always tried to do is just to meet them on their own level what do you get out of being a furry what do you get out of being a flat earther without 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 just dismissing them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people come to that point maybe where you came to, and they say, "Well, you know what? I don't want to. Sa- I don't want to sacrifice what I have in this system." You know, I, I'm getting the paychecks, I'm getting the phone call returns, I'm getting the respect. So it's hard. It's like they, but they, then they go against that internal feeling of like, maybe this isn't for me or maybe I should be doing something else. And they push it down and they just keep going on this path. And that, maybe that creates a lot of tension and, and also probably manifests some kind of disease too. Like your body, you're in dis-ease. You're not in ease with what's happening. So depression, anxiety, stuff like that. Was there something that like happened for you that you were able to make that leap and make that transition and say, no, I want to do the thing that I want in the way that I want to do it? Was there a catalyst for that? Well, the, the thing that made me realize that I couldn't do it in the system was I was at the Washington Post during the early part of the Iraq war. And there were a lot of things going on in my life. Also, I had a girlfriend break up with me. I, they, um, but it was just really hard for me to be around what at the time I felt was, I mean, utter bullshit of reasoning for why we were in Iraq and this group think that was happening in Washington in 2003 and 2004. And everybody just seemed to accept it because that was just where we were as a world. So that was super hard for me. And that created a little bit of a, a tough, tough time. And, um, that was when I went and, um, just said, I can't do this. Um, and that was, that was the hardest time in my life. Um, because I would try to say in my articles, like the Iraq war is not okay. And they would they would take it out all the time. You know, you're editorializing. You don't know there could be WMDs. You know, you're not a politics writer. Um, and so, that was the thing that just. It was just such a cognitive dissonance. Like this is something that I've wanted my whole life. And then to find out that in order to have this thing, you have to sort of bend you have to bend you have to say okay we're gonna go with we're having a war right now and that's just what we're gonna go with Mm -hmm. that was hard so that was when i sort of fell out of society for a year and i i was just a um made money playing poker oh nice in vegas and lived in an rv and i was just in the desert um and then i got the job at the telluride daily planet and that brought me back to like a community and like what I love about being a newspaper reporter, which is just talking to people and then telling their stories and then hearing the feedback. I mean that I don't really get tired of that loop of that like repetition. Um, yeah. And it took me a long time to be like, okay with doing that writing for a thing that has 4,000 publication as opposed to a thing that had 700,000 or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, that, that was the thing was the Iraq war was really tough for me and yeah. Yeah. But well, thank you for doing that because we need people like you, like we need people like oh, you that, doing what, like that to take quitting a, a very good job and yes, yes. To make sacrifices. Nothing. Uh, yeah. To make sacrifices and do what you believe in and stand up for what you believe in. I mean, it was not a conscious decision. It was just like 
story after story when I try to like call the Republicans plutocrats and and they would take it out and point out how, you know, I'd go cover a fundraiser, point out how these people were all the certain kind of people. They were, you know, people who already had influence, already ran everything. And then they were the ones also at the fundraiser. And I try to point that out. And, you know, so often it would get cut. Yeah. And so I, I wasn't trying to do anything. I would just had, I just couldn't do it. Right. Um, I thought I was failing deeply. So, but it, there's something to be said, I think about getting back to a more personal and local level and reporting on things because, you know, we live in this time right now where everybody wants like, you know, I, I do a podcast. I want millions of downloads. I want yeah. millions of likes. I want millions of clicks. I want to be at HBO. I want to be at NBC. I want to yeah. be at the top of the heap. We forget, like, we're all, like, shooting for this far-off, distant place, I feel like, and leaving where we come from or our neighbors and friends or our family, like, behind in the dust. And, and maybe that's where we need to get back to. It's very lonely to put a story out into the world and and see that it got 10,000 shares, but to not have anybody call you about it, mm. not to have your mom read it, not to have your wife read it. Like, it's more important to me that, that, that someone in the Denver Psychedelic Club reads something, and then I go to their meeting, and they tell me, oh, good work, you know, or, or bad work, you screwed up on that. At least then I'm getting something. Yeah. This physical thing, the physical thing matters, which is another thing that psychedelics help me with. The digital thing is important, and we have to live our lives digitally. But also, you can't do psychedelics online. You have to do them with a person. You have to be in touch with your own body. And and that's what writing for a local paper or, or writing for local things reminds you, is that location matters, bodies matter, breath matters, heartbeats matter. Yeah. All that stuff matters. Humanity. Humanity. Yeah. You get some. There's a vibration from people. And this is this is woo, but it's also... You know, when I talk to you on the phone, I just get your voice. When I talk to you in person, I get, you know, your, I get so much more. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's valuable. Yeah. So. Yeah. People are chasing, like Johan Hari writes about, we're, they're chasing all these junk values. Yep. And um, so what is actually valuable? What is actually valuable in the world? Mm. That's another thing that I try to always talk about in my journalism what is actually what affects human well-being what about what what makes people happy you know that's yeah. what's important in the that's end that's what's important yeah for sure when did you start writing uh the aya uh newsletter so i was aya news um maybe 2013 maybe 20 maybe 2015 i don't remember um i just was doing a bunch of ayahuasca and i had no way to write about it um, I was writing about weed a lot for Dope Magazine, and they wouldn't let me write about ayahuasca. It was too weird. So I just started sending out this ayahuasca newsletter called Aya News to 150 people that I knew that were, I thought might be into it. And um, yeah, I've kind of left off doing it lately because I'm so swamped with Rooster. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also uh, not done ayahuasca in like a year and a half, and so that has slowed me down from doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that I should, um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, you covered the, yeah, so that's ayanews.info. People can go there and check that it's out. It's old. It doesn't have a lot, but yeah, yeah. ayanews.info. Uh, and so writing for Rooster, covering the 
decriminalized Denver campaign, you were, you know, pretty prominent in, in being the voice of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and getting those articles out there, as you'd mentioned before, um, tell me a little bit about that, like getting involved in that, maybe what you were thinking before and then getting to meet some of the people and getting involved and writing some of the stories that you did. I think it was, it was, um, just the fact, again, I wasn't really trying to do anything. I just was talking over and over again to people about why they're, why is cannabis legal and mushrooms aren't and having that conversation 80 million different ways. And, um, then finding out that people were having the same conversation and going to the, um, the maps conference, psychedelic science, 2017, and, um, just hanging out at psychedelic club in Denver, psychedelic club, Boulder, Naropa, like everybody seemed to be talking about mushrooms are next. And like, so just realizing that that was a thing. Um, and then just writing story after story, that's like mushrooms seem to have so many of the same arguments as weed says this cannabis venture capitalist says this person at the Naropa psychedelic club says this on and on and on. And, um, I think just writing that over and over again, um, it felt like a, like, um, like a plant that was already growing and nobody was noticing it. Like, uh, like, uh, the dandelions are, are big this year and nobody's pointed that out yet. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I just kept pointing that out. And then, um, I can't remember when, but I, there was a meeting in which Tyler Williams, who used to run the psychedelic club and he was the one who first kind of came up with, okay, we should try a initiative to free the mushrooms and he said, we're going to have a meeting to talk about it. And this dingy basement hooked on Colfax and 50, 75 people showed up that I'd never seen before. And I know a lot of people in the Denver psychedelic community mm-hmm. and four different groups had language for initiatives to free the mushrooms. Wow. And it was like, wait a minute, where do you guys come from? Oh, you're <laughs> cannabis lawyers and you have an initiative? Where do you guys come from? Oh, you're mushroom growers from Fort Collins and you have an initiative? It was one of the most mind-blowing events I've ever been to um, because it just made it seem like, oh my God, it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen with Tyler Williams thing, it'll happen with the mushroom people or it'll happen with the cannabis lawyers things. And then the great thing about Denver is I feel like people largely dropped their egos and said, okay, we're going to work on this one common thing. Mm -hmm. What can we all get behind? And they did it. And it, one of the most amazing things that has ever happened in my life was being around that, like seeing it go from a little seed to a, a now it's a, I guess it's a, a fungus uh, yeah. that is going to, somebody said this is going to spur a 10,000 grows in Denver. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things that you and I can sit on our porch when we're old men, even if we never do anything ever again, and just be like, I was there. When the mushrooms were decrimmed in Denver. <laughs> yeah. You guys buy them out of vending machines now, but I remember when I had to yeah. go to Amsterdam to get a truffle and you could barely get high. You guys are able to just connect to a mushroom Wi-Fi network and <laughs> download a five-gram trip, but back in my day, we had to grow them. Yeah. You have the mushroom helmets just changing your wavelength. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, that's just such a pure way to go about journalism in my opinion is just to be like 
okay, interesting. There's yeah. something happening. Let me see what it is. And my editor got so sick of it. He was just like, how many times can you write about mushrooms? Not many people do mushrooms. Can you write about something more common? And I was just said, he, I mean, God bless him. He is a great, uh, a great, he runs a great magazine. And he has a great sense of like, I, he listened to me when I said like, this is just a thing that's going on right now. And I really hope you'll let me cover it for the next to see it play out. It's just what's happening right now. And I won't have to write about it in a year, but right now it's the thing. Yeah. And he let me do it. And yeah. and that's one of the great things about uh, Rooster. I mean, Rooster's a funny little magazine. It's not little. We have we have a lot of we have a lot of readers and we, we have a pretty good um, subscribers and the people that love us love us. I mean I see people in in um, in cafes and they find out that I write for Rooster and they're like, oh my God, I love you guys. That didn't happen when I worked for the Oklahoma newspaper. It's like Oklahoma newspaper is like just a thing that's in the air in Oklahoma. Um, I, you know, it's a good paper. A lot of good people that work for it. And I, I had learned a lot and had a good time. But with a Rooster, they love it because we, we talk about, we work on people's levels. Um, and just like, what are the kids interested in and right now it's it's mushrooms and next year it'll be ketamine and next year it'll be bondage and polyamory and the editor simon will hopefully just kind of follow that and it's just like all right here's what's happening so do you see it as like you're giving a voice to the 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 people in terms of like uh some of the underground movements that are taking place that aren't so widely known or maybe people don't know about and you're like okay i can kind of project this a little louder for you my general journalism technique is I ask people, what's most interesting in your life? What occupies the most of your brain space and you think about all the time? And whatever they tell me, I listen to very closely. And if it's something that I, you know, that I don't know about or I don't think people know about, then I look into it deeper. And so if it's like, oh, the Denver Broncos, it's like, okay, that's great. You know, people have been on that. But if it is... um trying to make polyamory work and this is your whole life then i'll i'll lean in and be like okay tell me more about that how are you doing that yeah what exactly is going on it's just like the human algorithm of like if it's at the top of your brain it's probably pretty interesting yeah um asmr you ever heard of that never heard of that and then somebody says the most interesting thing in their life right is it whispering youtube videos yeah they they whisper and they they crinkle I'm touching your skull right now. (laughs) It's very soft. (laughs) And it gives you these little tingles in your body. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's how I do journalism generally. And again, Rooster is so good. Simon is so good at just being like, you go for it. If if you think it's interesting, then go for it. Mm. Um, What's at the top of your mind right now? Well, this this morning I was trying to write something about polyamory um, because I feel like that's um like are you in are people in your life trying this well i i know some people actually had a a couple of uh, psychedelic therapists from boston friends of mine stay with uh me and my partner jenna and uh they're polyamorous yeah and so we were i i uh, i read this book sex at dawn by dr christopher ryan and i listened to his podcast tangentially speaking shout out chris uh and um it, it really opened things up for me. I was like, "Oh wow, interesting! This is uh, this is a very interesting thing I didn't know about." And yeah, 
So, so I'm excited to learn about it. And and do you think, I mean, I just keep running into people that try it and then it seems not to work. Do you think it's a thing? Like, is it going to be a thing or is it like just a, a, a fad or a sideshow? Or? I like what Chris Ryan says. He says that, you know, he says that just because you're a vegetarian doesn't mean that bacon stops smelling good. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to sex, it's the same thing. I mean, we, we all, you know, if we're in a monogamous relationship, there's no doubt about it that every single person in a monogamous relationship is thinking about having sex with someone else at some point, at some time, anytime. People watch pornography, you know. So we are sort of sexual omnivores, you know, so to speak. But uh, as far as actually putting into practice, like in theory, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense, you know. And in his book, he talks about the how uh, bonobos, mm-hmm. you know, are... I are, love the bonobos. Yeah, the, they're the a very peaceful group of monkeys that yeah. get left out of the equation. We always talk about, like, chimpanzees yeah. and other... But they resolve a These lot of the their issues. Monkeys. Yeah, the hippie monkeys. They resolve their issues through sex. Yeah. And and they have less fighting and less divisiveness and stuff. And so there's so, there's definitely something to that. Uh, I, I just... Uh, yeah, I think that it's interesting, and if people want to try it, that they should go in and do research. And does and it work though? So I'm gonna, I want to find. I, I think I guess the story that I want to write is um, how can, what can we, what does polyamory teach us about humans? What does it teach us about ourselves? Because we we seem to want to have relationships with other people, but jealousy seems to be such a huge thing that it blows these up is that something that's inherent to us or is that like something that's culturally done where we've just lived in monogamy for so long yeah also what can people committed to monogamy learn from polyamory like if you what can you learn from people that have figured out how not to be jealous to learn how to have a good level of control or lack of jealousy in your own relationship so you're not jealous about these little things that every relationship gets jealous of. You spent more time with your, with your cousin than you spent with, with me, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. How can we deal with that? So I don't know. That's not on the top of my head, but that's just what I was working on this morning. Yeah. Yeah. So is there something else that's, that's on the top? I mean, I think about psychedelics all the time. Yeah. What do you think about most about psychedelics? What's your vexing questions? Mushrooms in Denver and how it will look. The main thing that is, we were talking about it earlier, but just um, how is there, how is it going to look? How can we have a diversity of, of approaches? Um, And just like very excited about it, worried about it. People are going to get spun. Um, So I would say that's the main, that's just on my mind all the time. Yeah. If mushrooms in Denver and Oakland are are um, if they can create a new way of a new way of existing in America I mean it, sometimes my mind goes that big that it's like because in America there's only like five ways to feel you know you can be sober sleeping drunk on tobacco on caffeine those are your five things and then if there's a sixth thing to be 
I mean, what does that mean for us? Mm. And does it make us happier? Does it make us more whole? Does it introduce us to a new thing? Or do people get spun and they can't go to work the next day? Mm. I mean, somebody's got to bake the bread. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, people getting spun and not being able to go to work the next day. It's, uh, you know, I think there's um, a lot of thought right now in psychedelics, which is like, okay, how can we apply this to the current paradigm? Right. But I think we're moving to a paradigm that's unknown. So I think it it's it creates fear because we we're afraid of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to unfold. And I think it also relates to polyamory too because there's this fear of the unknown, and it's it's really opening up into love and acceptance. Mm, that's nice and openness. It yeah. is nice, but it, it's also very challenging too because it's it's it, you're entering into a new dimension. You know, it's like what's what what lays ahead? We don't know. Oh my god. We, we have know. to set up some kind of protection or security or put some bumper lanes on this uh, bowling alley, you know, cuz it's like yeah. we know, we don't know what's going to happen. And this is what's so these people that want to just integrate psychedelics into our current system. We're going to plug it into the medical model. And even bigger than that, like just psychically, like we're going to keep doing our capitalist, um, you know, system. I hate using that word to describe what we have, but we're just going to keep capitalist. Yeah. I hate using that word. Yeah, It's more of like a kind of a a crony capitalist plutocratic. Just like this loop that we're in. We just seem to be in this loop and um, we're going to plug psychedelics into it to do it better. So we microdose to do our work better and we use MDMA to get better in our relationships and, but nothing fundamentally changes. We don't get more close to nature. We don't reform communities or tribes. Um, And then that seems like the thing that a lot of people are scared of when I talk to them and they worry about this co-opting of psychedelics Uh, by the man what's mm-hmm. we got to think of a better word than that but um <laughs> the socio-political socio-economic structures that we're living in right now that they're just going to try to plug it into that and make us better robots so that right. we don't get sad as much and we can still do our jobs and um and then there are other people that want to use psychedelics to bring it all down and either one of those things worry me. Mm-hmm. But then, of, uh, of course, I need to realize that I don't control anything. It's going to go the way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, that's per- that's perfect because that's how that's the mindset I think you should have that I like to have. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a good mindset to have going into a trip. Right. So if you're sitting with ayahuasca, if you're sitting with mushrooms in a ceremonial space, you're you're trying to ground yourself in an intention. Why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing this for a particular reason, but whatever happens is going to happen. However this trip is going to play out is going to play out. All I can do is make sure that I control the set and setting that I'm in, make sure that it's a safe and responsible container, and then let it play out how it play, plays out. And I think we're going to see that in society. It's. I think the only thing that I want to make sure is that people realize that there's more than one option. Yeah. So if, if it's not just medical. Mm-hmm. They, you can do it with a religion. You can do it um, kind of do DIY. Yeah. 
And then, and then obviously I can't control how people do it. People are going to choose. Yeah. And maybe they want to just plug it into the system. Cause in a lot of ways the system is working great. Or maybe that's a start, you know, maybe it's a start to say, cause we can't just like jump, can't put the cart before the, the horse. Right. So it's like, we start with what we have. Uh, there was this book, I forget what it was uh, I was reading, and uh, they were talking about how in uh, in the early like turn of the century, New York City had this crazy problem where uh, there was so much manure from all the horses, yeah. from the horse-drawn carriages and stuff. They're like, well, this city is, you know, we're going to just sink in garbage and manure because we'd have no way of transporting and getting rid of this garbage and, and manure. And then the combustion engine was invented and then the trains and the automobiles is just this solution that nobody could have thought of. And it just came. Yeah. And, but you have to kind of, there's this transition period of like plugging into the plugging new ideas into an old model. And then that transition period of like it taking off and then being like, Oh wow, that's, there it is voluntary spontaneous congregations of human beings that are passionate about making a difference and changing things and then there you go you know just like the decriminalization decriminalized denver it's you know it's not like it's just people there's just people that are committed and passionate it's like yeah. not some magical secret mm -hmm. you know the brightest minds the people in think tanks thinking all it's like Committed and passionate individuals. That's the other interesting thing. And I tried to say that a million different ways in my articles. Like people think that the world is run by 40 guys in a, in an office in New York. Yeah. But these people that decriminalized, they're just people. I mean, they are, um, you know, unemployed, they're students, they're, they're retirees. They're like just regular people. And there was only like a hundred of them. Yeah. Like, people have been yelling about the drug war for 50 years, and it was like 100 people yeah. that changed a very fundamental way that we talk about psychedelics. And they were so, like, all over the place. And some people wanted this, some people wanted that. People quit. People were, like, having a, a, a getting in fights. And it's like, it was no better. It was an amazing campaign, but it was not any more organized than your average um, restaurant. Yeah. And if you can run a restaurant, the chances are probably good you can like run a, uh, a an initiative like this. I mean, you could kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you if you're committed to, I think it was this is like a Caesar Chavez. Right. Quote. You can you could run a, a retreat center. You yeah. Could run a, like, yeah. Uh, d never underestimate a small passionate group yeah. of motivated individuals. Yeah. Margaret saying yeah. is it's like that's uh, that's. That's how things happen. And so that's the interesting thing, too, about, like, is this going to go toward a medical model? Is it going to be in the people's hands? It depends on do 100 people get together here, 100 people together there, uh, and, w you know, how and when. I mean, you talked to Larry from Oakland. It was like 100 people there, too. Yeah. And it changed. Yeah. I mean, that is just nuts to me. <laughs> yeah. And wonderful. And, like, I have conspiracy theory friends that say... Um, we will never change it. The, the man will never let us free psychedelics because it'll free our mind and bring them down. Well, look what happened. Look what happened. Nobody controlled that. Nobody tried to make that happen. I mean, we are the man in a way. You know, there's this, there's this, there's this like. We are the man. Maybe you're the man. There's there's this sep ten tendency for us to like think of this separation, like you said, four yeah. guys in an office in New York. 40 guys in an office in New York who are the Illuminati or the New World Order who are planning global domination or whatever, they can only do it if, if we're complicit in it. Yeah. You know? They can only do it if we're complicit in it. That's yeah. right. 
if each of us says, I'm not playing this game. Yeah. I'm not playing this part of this game. Right. Here's the, I'll play a lot of your game, but in psychedelics, I'm not going to play that game. Right. Or I'll play a lot of your game, but in I got to sit in the back of the bus. I'm not going to play that game. Or I got to only love a person of an opposite gender. I'm not going to play that game. Right. Or, you know, go back to Thoreau. I'll play a lot of your game, but I'm not going to pay taxes for your war. Right. How then they have a lot of trouble. Well, I mean, the system can change. I mean, Rosa can, Park changed yeah. a lot. The Stonewall people changed a lot. I'm a big believer in defiance. I'm a big believer in peaceful disobedience. Yeah. You know, just saying, no, uh, I don't want to be complicit in this. I don't want to be a participatory in propagating this system any longer. I want changes. And so I'm just going to say no. I'm going to opt out. I'm going to speak out. I'm going to come out. Yeah. I'm going to show up at the psychedelic club, and I'm going to be there with other people who are coming out and saying, I use psychedelics, and they're good, and they help me. Yeah, and especially if it's something that you can control. Um, whether or not you grow your own mushrooms is something that you can control. Yeah. It's just not that hard. Um, whether or not you tell your parents you're gay, whether or not you, you know, what's another example? Um, tell your parents you're rollerblading. <laughs> <laughs> Same no. thing, right? Yeah. I mean, w- w- yeah, it could be anything. I mean, just people coming out with certain kinds of political beliefs or yeah. ph- ideologies, different philosophies, religious beliefs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be really hard. It's hard to go against the grain. It's, it's easy and comfortable to just go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the psychedelics are an obvious one. Um, and people just don't even know about them yet, which is the interesting thing. Like, they really don't. Mm-hmm. Like, you and I think that this is a huge thing. Right. It's not. Yeah. Like, if you go into the middle of America, they've never heard of this stuff. Even people that do psychedelics, some of them are like, oh, really? That happened? Right. It's like, yeah. Because, again, people do them in different ways. Not everybody's plugged into the 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 news of psychedelics and the research of psychedelics. They're just like, hey, cool, man. I tripped out on some acid, had a couple beers, had a fun at this party. You know, yeah, it's like, hey, you know, there's something going on here. Maybe they're into it. Maybe they're not. And it's hard to convince people a lot of times to like give a shit about Denver decriminalizing because they're like, I don't care. I've done them forever. No one stopped me. So I I don't know. uh, And I have some sympathy for that. Like, yeah, just go live your life however you want. Um, But that is them doing a little bit of civil disobedience. And the people that do do that, like they just trip mushrooms on their own at concerts, they're a little bit less likely to buy into the, the whatever. Yeah. The what are we what are we status calling quo. it? Status quo. Status yeah. quo. We're calling it. Does that, yeah. We need a better word than this. General consensus. Yeah. Something like that, right? It's like, yeah, just these automatic loops. Automatic loops. Automatic. Like so many. We we're talking about how the news people like talk in like loops. Regular people talk in loops to me all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure I do it too. Yeah. Like you'd be talking to somebody and they'll be like, oh, you know, that Lisa Struck and, and her husband, her lover, Paige, you know, and they'll just go on this rant. And it's like, I heard that rant like word for word <laughs> the other night Yeah, on Fox News. <laughs> and it's, and I'll find myself doing it too sometimes where it's like, I'll be talking about psychedelics. And I'll be like, oh, you know, I had, uh, I drank too much. I took ayahuasca and it got rid of my addiction. And it's almost like a, like a pattern almost. Well, yeah, you're reaffirming your stories. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, st- Human beings were story-creating uh, creatures. We understand the world in stories. Yeah. So I love meeting these people. These are my favorite people to write about where they don't talk in sound bites. They don't seem to be trying to impress me with anything. It's just like, here's how I think, and here's what I'm genuinely interested in. Mm-hmm. 
and you follow that and there's a story there. Sure. I mean, diversity and novelty is something that is so invigorating to the human spirit. You know, when we encounter things that are new and interesting and different, yeah. it's like, it's co- cool. Like, I want to know or I want to be a part of that. But sometimes you just get stuck in this bubble where you don't have access to that. It doesn't penetrate through your reality tunnel. So you're not even aware. Yeah. You don't even know, you don't know what you like, what yeah. you don't like, you know, and that's a shame. But that's also something that psychedelics can help with, too. It's mm-hmm. like, what do you think? There's so many aspects to psychedelics too that um, every time I think I've sort of written everything, another thing pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you think of an example of something like that recently? Or sure, these the thing that I think is extremely undercovered is the physical effects of these things, and I can't get people to grab onto these articles that I write about this, and I don't know why, because like curing the headaches. People say it helps menstrual cramps. People say it helps um, muscle pain. Um, I've written two or three times about people doing it and doing ultra marathons or like super long races. Um, why why don't people care about that? Or, or maybe they just have to hear it a million times before they figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, that might be it. And going back to like the news thing, it's like I remember Conan O'Brien did this like little section where he was making fun of a little segment. He's like, all these local news outlets who are, uh, I guess, a part of uh, Fox or a part of, yeah, it's like they all get they all say the same things in their local broadcast, literally word for word. Yeah. Like some people say this Christmas, you might be getting one, two, or even 10 different surprises. And then he'll cut and literally 40 different news stations all over the country are saying the exact same thing word for word. I think it's a part of this repetition to condition people into a certain kind of understanding as to what, these news organizations want people to know about at this particular time. Yeah. I mean, even you said it yourself, you're writing about mushrooms. How long at your editors, like how long are you going to be writing about this? Well, I'm going to just keep writing about it for now because this is what people need to hear. People need to hear it over and over again before it seeps in. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trained to just block out so many things, you know, you have to just follow what's interesting to you. I think, um, because writing about cannabis in 2004 was really hard. People laughed when I would call them about that. Hmm. You know, I would call them and say, Telluride's thinking about decriminalizing weed. And they'd be like, oh, you guys better buy more Doritos. And it's <laughs> right, like, yeah. Yeah, that's true. What else? <laughs> Can we move past that? Um, yeah. First they laugh at you, then they yeah. fight you. Oh, and then... everybody told me this this beat was, was a stupid thing to write about. Even like three years ago, people were like, that is not going anywhere. What are you doing? Write about business. Write about real estate. Um, and now I think it's it's just the most interesting thing in the world because I think people don't want to meet, um, but people could be interested. More people could be interested in like pain management. Like that's a universal thing. Mm-hmm. And if we could figure out how to, I mean, people are figuring out. People use LSD for menstrual cramps all the time, mm. apparently. Um, People use it for, for, people use mushrooms for leg pain all the time, apparently. I run into these people and then I write them in a story and it just doesn't get the clicks that I would think. I don't know, maybe it's not true and that's why it doesn't get the click. 
maybe it's not universal. It works for them, but it won't work for most people. Um, but I, th- that's one of the most interesting things to me. I mean, with weed, we're seeing all of these ways that it's used. It's in lotions, it's in bombs, it's for calming your dog. It's like, yeah, there's a million different products. And I just feel like mushrooms and LSD have some of that same thing yeah there's something in your your, there's a reason we're taking these things and it's not just to see fancy lights and make music sound better yeah i think your body wants this stuff yeah yeah definitely i mean we do have cannabinoid receptors Mm -hmm. you know in our body and there are uh you know the brain responds well to uh being on a psychedelic the neuroplasticity of the brain and and how it connects and different areas of the brain connect and gives you ins- i mean that there's a lot of valuable things that come come out of this also but we talk about the brain all the time yeah but if you think about it there's lsd is not going to your brain it's going everywhere yeah it's going everywhere. through your whole body and so what is it it's connect and you have neurons throughout your body right so yes. it's connecting neurons throughout your body yeah what does that mean? Right. Yeah. I was about to say also with like the gut, they call the gut the second yeah. brain. So a lot of like I'm taking Paul Stamets mushroom blend right now. And, huh. you know, also with psilocybin, like, is there something that's going on in your gut that's helping digestion yeah. or something like that? Right. I mean, ayahuasca definitely cleans you out when you purge. Something's coming out. And when I when I've drank ayahuasca, I fast beforehand, at least like six hours before. What am I purging? What's coming out? You know, what is this stuff? There's some, what are you purging? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's something deep inside. Sometimes something, it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. It, but it's working on the body. This is great. I mean, there's. There's a, there's definitely a need to get more into the body as well. My body feels so different on psychedelics. Yeah. And um, I think people don't talk about that enough. I don't talk about it enough because yeah. it's not fancy. It's not like I, I saw crazy geometric forms. It's just like I noticed that I have five muscles in my forearm or whatever it is. There's not just one muscle there. Right. I noticed that um, my Achilles are, is tight. I never, I never pay attention to my Achilles, but we're a very brain-dominated society. Yeah. We're a very mind, egocentric, mm-hmm. alert, present state of consciousness sort of society here. So that we tend to always think that way, and and we when psychedelic research comes out, we're going with what it does to the brain and what you know what what it's how it's working on the neurons and all these things. And last night I was at this good, the Good Cinema event, their first series of the Psychedelica series, and someone asked a question about this, and they were saying like, you know, I think it's I think people need to understand some people need to understand things based on these facts and figures and numbers and data and what is what's happening to the brain and and this, but there's there's so many different avenues to take. So yes, I think we just, we need to communicate in all the ways that people can understand. Do you get, um, physical? Does it affect your body? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just feel like I come into my body more because I am a very mind oriented person. So when I take psychedelics, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I'm not like just this meat sack carrying a brain around. Yeah. Like I am this whole conglomeration of cells. I'm this skin bag Petri dish of, trillions of cells and microorganisms and yeah you know do you ever just look at your body when you're on ayahuasca and like play with it yeah <laughs> yeah but I, I've, I've been asked not to play with it too much that's right if you're in a group <laughs> setting be careful yeah but yeah it's so it's always interesting i think 
uh, one of the first things that I, I have, the first thoughts that I have when on a psychedelic is, is this coming back into body, this kind of like reminder of, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a cliche of looking at your hands when you're on psychedelics, but it's fascinating to look at your hands. Yeah. Like I'm, I was on ayahuasca once and looking at my hand and moving it around and I realized that it's moving because I'm moving my forearm. The muscles for your hand are in your forearm. Yeah. So when you move your middle finger, you're actually doing something in your forearm. Right. Like that is such a stoner thing to think, but it's so true and so like simple that I don't know that about my own body. Right. That I think I'm moving my fingers and I forget that it's actually all in my forearm. Well, that's a good realization to have, right? It's a good reminder. It's that, like that, it, that I don't understand my body. I've yeah, lost track of it. And it's so simple. But we, I think we need these simple reminders, you know, and they, they become cliches or stoner things or whatever, but it's like, maybe that's what we need. Maybe we just need more reminders of the simplicity the and the simple. beauty and the awe of what's happening yeah. here. Right. I what think the fuck you, is happening? I think <laughs> we you don't are, know. You, you totally nailed it on that one. Like yeah. f- flowers are beautiful. Trees are beautiful. My, my, my friends are wonderful. Like those simple things. Air feels good. Yeah. Like, uh, like people get into this thing where it's like they take psychedelics and then they stare at water. Oh my God, can you believe water? And you laugh at it, but can you believe water? Yeah. <laughs> it's right? this stuff that like flows all around and it's wet. Yeah. And you can drink it and bathe in it. Like that's hard to believe that that's a thing that we get in our life. Yeah. Water. We get that. We get that. What a brilliant thing to have in our life. And what's, what is its motivation? Water? What is its purpose? What is water's purpose? What is its being? What is its essence? Where does it come from? Who create? It's just, it's just water. It's just water. It's just water. It's just doing its thing. It's just going. I had this beautiful moment out in the park uh, with my girlfriend the other day, and we're sitting up at the top looking at the sunset and the trees blowing in the wind. It's just such a beautiful moment. And it's like, yeah, hey, what's up, nature? Yeah. You're, do, you're out there. You're doing your thing. And we're just so inundated with articles and ads and tweets and, you know, jobs and money and finance and taxes and this and that, that we forget the basics. We forget the basic, simple stuff. That's great. I heard this it's great, great. <laughs> this great bad trip story where this guy took too much mushrooms and he just kept pacing in the living room going, the basics, friends, food, water, air, the basics, friends, food, water, air. And people, his friends were like, you got to sit down, man. You're, you've lost it. Um, but I kind of thought afterwards, like, no, oh, he kind of nailed it. Like, you kind of got it there. Yeah. Friends, food, air, water. I think we're just, we're looking for something more, you know. Uh, we're, we're always looking for something bigger and better. And I think in part it's because of the way that we've, the way that our society runs and functions, like you mentioned before about ads no. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. People invent good products and services and we would like them, but do we need so much of it? I think psychedelics are good to bringing us back to that reminder of the simplicity of things, what's really important. And and moving forward now with Mushrooms Decriminalized, wondering what's going to happen, it's, it's like we have the control on this spectrum and there's extremes on both ends. And it's like we get to collaboratively, collectively dial it to a balanced area you know Wait, what's the ba- what's being balanced the the balancing is of how the psychedelics play out in our society how mm. this happens here in denver mm. what's going to happen next we can 
grab the controls and go turn it up to 11 mm. or we could like we always do with everything yeah right like, internet that. more binge yeah. watch this that or we could say hey maybe like we should calibrate this to yeah. a reasonable level where we can all say this is great and also now nah, let's chill a little bit you know? how are we going to do that i mean everybody we like you're right we do it all so hard how are we going to not going to go hard with mushrooms i don't know you gotta figure it out. We gotta figure it out. Yeah. Who's gonna figure it out? Psychedelic us. Club? All of us. Together we're figuring it out right now. Psychedelic Club, Noac Society, Naropa. Yeah. Those are the people that I would want figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Veterans for Natural Rights. Veterans. Oh, I love those organization, guys. So. Yeah, so that would be my hope is that um, Denverites that are doing this just meet in a room once a month. And just check in with each other. That sounds good to me. You know, and sounds sounds like we're getting back to the community tribe kind of gathering of just saying like, hey, what does everybody think? Yeah. And I think the 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 NOAC Society is great on this. They have the psychedelic professionals thing. Um, psychedelic Club is wonderful. And yeah, so just meet in a room. Is what it, did you hear? Yeah. What did you guys do? Oh, those guys messed up over there. Yeah. Yeah everything is a constant negotiation you know yeah. we can't do this in a vacuum by ourselves yeah. no one person is going to come up with some brilliant way it's everybody together you know yeah. i thought it was interesting that um there was an ad on craigslist for a guy who was offering mushrooms for sale and um somebody from the decriminalized denver campaign called him out on it and flagged that post on craigslist to make have it taken down like self-policing like yeah. if I think if anybody from decriminalized Denver sees somebody selling mushrooms, I think they'll call them out. Good. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, you want to make sure that this is handled in a careful way yeah. and to, yeah, self-police. I mean, just have people's backs. Yeah. Look out for your neighbor. Look out for your buddy. Look out for your fellow volunteer, you know, and, uh, and just yeah, keep your eyes peeled. If people are running ceremonies and you don't think that it's safe or appropriate or they're doing something weird, there was this article published recently about some people that were doing some really terrible things involving 5-MeO-DMT. Yeah, I saw that. They're like like shocking people with tasers or something. It's like, what do you do? So this is something that we need to talk about and say, this isn't right. Did like, you see the videos good. of that? I didn't see the videos. Oh my God, that. the videos are crazy. Yeah. They give them 5-MeO and these guys are screaming and shaking and then they're pouring water on them and pouring water in their mouth when and making them gag when they're super messed up on one of the most painful, powerful psychedelics in the world. And they're throwing up this water and they're shaking. And it's just like so far out there. Yeah. And you don't want that like as a person who's passionate about psychedelics like myself and like you are, I would say that like, you know, it's like we don't want that to to gain attention to be like this is what they're doing <laughs> right this is what they want to do it's like no right. no no we, we, we that's why we need that self-policing that self-governance and it's totally right. possible it's totally possible right because when you actually see a good psychedelic session it's really boring from the outside it's somebody on a couch with a blindfold with some music playing that's not intriguing or sexy at all it's all internal yeah and then you get that thing about like well, we want to sell the, we want to get the clicks. We want to get the story out there. Right. So push it out, push it out. It's like, right. okay, yeah, this is maybe how some people are doing it, but a lot of people aren't for that and we don't support that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, um, I can't wait to see how it unfolds. And it is the most interesting thing that I've ever covered. Um, 
So I'm excited to keep writing about it, um, keep following it, keep going to these psychedelic club meetings, keep going to NOAC meetings, and um, just to it's so fun to be at a place where it could just tip one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're on the precipice yeah. of change. Yeah. What, what, what's on the horizon for you? Any, any stories lined up or things that you're thinking about? I mean, it's, it's almost like a embarrassment of like, there's too many things because I want to <laughs> write about five MEO, which is the crazy one and how common that is. Like people are blowing the back of their heads off by themselves um, so I want to write about these people that are doing these, um, um, these like makeshift five MEO ceremonies. And I, um, so just to see how far out people are getting just in their basements. Um, the culture around MDMA is very interesting to me and, um, how, you know, they just repealed it so that you could have test kits. And so there's, there's businesses opening up there where people are like creating, um, not only spaces, but like the, the, um, yeah. Harm reduction, harm reduction. And then also like the good medicines, what are they called? You take vitamins with MDMA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you take vitamins at the right time, supposedly it boosts you and it helps your not have the hangover. Right. Yeah. Five HTP afterwards. Yeah. So what is the, what is the, you can't sell the MDMA, but you can sell all this other stuff. So that's interesting. Um, there's a honey in, in Nepal that gets you messed up and I'm Mm -hmm. interested in that thing. Um, uh, vape pens are very interesting to me. Like you can put almost anything in vape pens. Yeah. Which I didn't really realize until recently. And they're putting some crazy stuff. And I got a ton of hits on a story about how they're putting DMT in vape pens. Yeah. I've, I've had a couple. Yeah. You've had DMT vape pens? Yeah. I've vaped DMT before. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. How is it? Hmm. Uh, not really my thing. I mean, it's kind of like DMT isn't your thing or, well, I love DMT, but, uh, I think that, um, vaping DMT just seems, it's just not really for me. I don't know. Oh, why not? Cause it's just puts you in this kind of halfway in between. Oh, world. you don't break through. You don't really break through. It's oh. it's like kind of a microdose. It's like a DMT huh. microdose. Oh, I thought you could break through with it. Oh, maybe the one, maybe you can, but I a never did. Ones? Yeah. Huh. I didn't do it where I didn't do it with the intention of like having a breakthrough experience. I just took oh. like a puff. Right. Which is interesting too. People yeah. just take a puff and then they, and then they go on. Yeah. Um, so I think just the, it's just so interesting to me how over and over people are going deeper and deeper and harder and harder on this stuff mm-hmm. and um, not thinking that much of it. And so I love to find these people that are vaping DMT and yeah, buying 5-MEO off the, I think you can get it on the clear net, can't you? You can get it, yeah. Like it's not a scheduled thing. Uh, 5-MEO? Yeah. Am I wrong about that? Um, pretty sure it is i mean the things that are not scheduled in some ways are crazy like yeah super obviously i don't think anything should be scheduled ever but like five meo or some super strong psychedelics are not scheduled and so people are Am I right about that? Five uh, MEO is a Schedule One drug. Yeah. What about in it, Canada? In 2011, it was declared. Uh, Canada, I'm not sure. Can you Google that? Yeah, um, Canada recently. I don't know why I googled Canada and it's telling me about the United Kingdom. Hmm. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, so, anyways, those yeah. are some of the things that I'm interested in. Awesome. Um, and come find me at uh, Psychedelic Club on the eighth. 
Oh, okay, great. Yeah, July 8th, Psychedelic Club, you're going to be talking about Lost Connections, Lost Connections. book by Johan Hari. Yep. Very important book. Definitely, if you're if you're in Denver, let's you know we'll be there. I'll be there. Come say hi. And then you and I are doing um, some of the psychedelic uh, psychedelia yeah. series. Psychedelica series. Psychedelica yeah. um, at the at the uh, what's it called? Almo Draft House. Almo Draft yeah, House. These are on Mondays. Yeah. Going for the next like three months. Yeah. Do you know the ones that you're going to be on? Uh, um, I want to say it's August 26th is one of them, yeah. and then I think June 20 or July 29th. I think those are the two um, that I'm going to be talking afterwards, and the 29th is about ayahuasca and. August 26th is about mushrooms. So love to see anybody out at that. Awesome. Riley, this has been a great conversation, man. I'm, I'm glad you came by for this. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. And um, everybody read therooster.com. It's a great website. I love it. Super interesting and fun. Pick up the Rooster magazine um, anywhere you find uh, publications. Like um, if you like a, where you might find a Westward, you could probably find a Rooster. And um, yeah. Thanks, yeah. man. And you can go online and read as well. And do you have like a Rooster. Twitter? Or? Uh, at Riley Caps, um, spelled R-E-I-L-L-Y-C-A-P-P-S. Stay up to date, folks. One of the best journalists in the country. So be sure to, to follow him and stay up on his work because he's doing some amazing things. Riley Caps, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, man. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell, share it, spread it, like it, all that good stuff. If you if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com patreon slash mike brank and um, patreon.com slash mike brank and you can donate as little as a dollar a month two dollars a month whatever you want help support the show that way as well but remember i love you guys no matter what you do i just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts message me i like hearing feedback get in touch with me on instagram mikeadelic podcast mike brank on facebook as well and um thanks to our sponsors synchro and hemp bombs if you want discount on keto genic and plant-based nutrition products go to synchro and type in the code uh mikeadelic at checkout to get 20 percent off and they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called keto mana that i have all the time because it's it has like no sugar and carbs in it so it's great and um and it's delicious and if you want cbd uh go to hempbombs.com and get 15 percent off all your cbd needs i guess and uh just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.